I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter four of 365 Days. So where we left off, Laura had a little nap in the sun and then Massimo woke her up and he said, I don't know what he said, but they walked past a driveway and she fainted and he's like, I better repave that driveway or something or other. And it seems like they're going into town. So we pretty much pick up straight away and she says how they're going into the town called Dayalmina. And she's sort of worried that Martin, Michelle and Carolina might be there because they were meant to go sightseeing there on their little holiday. And she thought, oh, what if we run into them? And when she thinks that she fidgets restlessly in her seat. And I don't know what that's meant to indicate. It sort of seems like she's nervous to see them, but wouldn't you be like, hey, This guy tried to kidnap me, guys. Help me out. But the man in black notices her fidgeting. And yeah, she's calling him the man in black. And he says, they left the island yesterday. And she's thinking, how does he know what I'm thinking? (laughs) Which is a great point. He's not a mind reader like Edward Cullen. I don't know how he's so perceptive. And she sends him an inquiring look. But he didn't so much as look my way, she says. So he's not even looking at her in the car, but he's, he's mind reading. I, he's very talented. So then they get to Dalmina and it's super busy. The streets are flocked with tourists. And she notices that there's lots of expensive stores with exclusive brands. And she's thinking exclusive brands in the middle of nowhere. There were no stores like that in the center of Warsaw, which I find hard to believe. I'm pretty sure they have shopping in the capital of Poland. So the car stops, the man in black gets out and offers her his hand and helps her out of the car. And then she notices that there's another car behind them and two tall men dressed in black emerge from it. And she's thinking, wow, if they're really trying to be inconspicuous while they're following us, maybe they shouldn't be wearing suits. They should be wearing shorts and flip flops. And she thinks it would be pretty difficult to hide those guns in tourist outfits though. And Because I sort of feel like she's a shallow person, I don't know if she's talking about guns as in biceps or guns as in actual weaponry. She might be talking about weaponry, but I do wonder, she could very well be talking about their muscles because she is thirsty. She's very thirsty. So they go to a boutique store. It's Roberto Cavalli, which I think I've heard of, but I'm not really too sure on what that is. 
And so there's a shop assistant who sprints from behind her desk to come and meet them. Don't know why a shop assistant is behind a desk. Do you mean like the counter? But she's sprinting. She's sprinting in this high-class boutique. She's sprinting to the door to say hi. And then there's also a well-dressed older man. And he comes from out of the back. And he kisses Massimo on both cheeks and says something in Italian. And then he sees Laura and he says, Bella. And she says, it was one of the few words in Italian I did understand. And I smiled at the man, thanking him for the compliment. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but bitch, you've been kidnapped. Lean over the counter and press the duress alarm. Maybe do that. Maybe press the duress alarm and get the popo in. But she's just letting this old Italian man compliment her by calling her Bella. And so then this guy, Antonio, he's like, I'll start picking out some clothes for you. And he says, size 36, I presume. And she says, sometimes 34, depending on the bra size. As you can see, mother nature hasn't been too generous to me. And then she points at her breasts with a wide grin. I think she's implying that she has a flat chest, maybe. She's saying she doesn't have big boobs. I'm just really flummoxed. Why is she in this store just being like, yeah, let's have a fashion montage. Let's try on lots of clothes. You've been kidnapped. Does she not want to escape? I feel like she doesn't want to escape because she just wants to try on clothes. And then she spends an hour trying on clothes. And then once she's finished, all her choices were packed neatly into a beautiful decorative box. And then she says, the story repeated in other boutiques, which I think is just the Google translate of Polish way to say the same thing happened in other stores. She goes in, she gets a big welcome and she tries on lots of stuff and it's really expensive. So she's trying on Prada, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Louboutin and Victoria's Secret. The story repeated itself. (laughs) And she says each time Massimo would sit down and patiently wait scrolling on his iPad. And so I'm thinking, oh, so Massimo's a dad. What a classic dad move to be like, you go shop, I'll scroll on my iPad. Dads love iPads. (laughs) That's something I know for certain. And she says, he seemed completely disinterested in what I was doing. On the one hand, I was happy, but on the other, it was getting on my nerves. What was wrong with him? (laughs) So she's really upset that he's not admiring how good she looks in the new clothes. She says, when he had the opportunity to admire me in all these beautiful outfits, he wasn't paying attention. And she's pissed off about it, which I think she's being a bit insecure because let's face it, the guy has portraits of her face hung up all throughout his mansion. Like, yeah, he's pretty besotted with you, but also you shouldn't care if he's not turned on by you because you've been kidnapped. Then she says, Victoria's Secret greeted us with pink. (laughs) It greeted us with pink. So it was... It had pink furniture. That's what she meant. She says, I felt like I'd been thrown into a cotton candy machine. I was about to puke with all that sweetness. It's just, it's just pink furniture. So then the shop assistant invites her to the change room. And I'm thinking, so Massimo's sitting on the couch on his iPad, just scrolling, reading the news or whatever. And she's got all this time with little shop assistants. Wouldn't you be like, hey, Senora, Mia kidnapped. Like she doesn't know Italian, but she could, she could figure out how to say police or something just while you've got them. Just, you know, say, oh, hi, um, could I get this in another size? And also, by the way, that man kidnapped me. I need help. 
Like, come on, think outside the box, Laura. But no, she's too caught up in it. She's too caught up in the fashion montage. So she goes into the cubicle and there's swimsuits and underwear waiting for her. But the assistant says, you don't have to try on everything. Just try on one pair and then I'll make sure everything fits. And I don't know, is it normal to try on underwear? I don't, I don't think I've ever personally tried on underwear, but maybe girls do. Maybe girls do, but I don't know. mm, I I don't know. But she's looking at this huge pile of undies and she's thinking like, why, why would I want so many undies? She says, I haven't had this many throughout my entire life. So I don't know. I guess she's not updating her underwear collection very often. And she says to the assistant, who picked all these? And, oh, no, I guess she doesn't say it to the assistant. She's standing there in the, oh, okay, this is very confusing. So as far as I can tell, she's in a change room and, okay, this is very, this is very perplexing. So let me talk you through it. Shop assistant walks her into a change room. She sees the pile of underwear. She goes into the change room and then the woman disappears, drawing the heavy pink curtain behind her. So as far as I know, she's in the change room by herself. And then she says to herself, who picked all these? And then she says straight away, noticing me, the shop assistant jumped to her feet and came over immediately. So what is this, a see-through curtain? How did the shop assistant see her with the curtain shut? I've been told that the curtain's shut behind her, indicating when she left. And the fact that she's jumping to her feet and running over means she wasn't in the room with you. So how did, okay, maybe she heard her say who picked all of these. So she heard her from across the shop and she said, I better go check on this. But Laura's narrating as if she witnessed her jump to her feet and come over. And then she says, Don Massimo asked me to prepare these specific styles. No mention of her opening the curtain. I don't know. I... Maybe it's lost in translation, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty perplexed. But one thing I am noticing is that this shop assistant has great English. She's saying, Don Massimo asked me to prepare those specific styles. And I'm sorry, if you know the word like specific in another language, you know enough to, to communicate that you've been kidnapped. But no, she doesn't try and flag her predicament with the shop assistant. So the shop assistant goes away and then she looks at the pile of underwear again. Now she's already noticed that there's a lot of lace pairs. She's already noticed that she's put it in writing, but now she says, scouring through the heap, I noticed something. All this stuff was made of lace. And I'm like, well, you already noticed that, but okay, now you're noticing it again. And she says, thin lace, thick lace, regular lace, and maybe a couple of cotton briefs thrown in just in case. And I was like, is she rhyming on purpose? Why is she describing all the different types of lace? Also, they don't sound that different. Thin lace, thick lace, regular lace. Like, okay, so lace is what you're describing, lace. So she tries on a red lace and silk set and the bra is a close fit to her small breasts. So she's reminding us that she's got small breasts. I think that might come into the plot or that might be foreshadowing something because she's really hammering at home that she's a member of the itty bitty titty committee. So then she's looking at herself in the mirror and she realizes Massimo standing behind her. So she didn't hear the curtain open. This Victoria's Secret must just have silent curtains because she didn't notice that he opened them and was staring at her. Like, okay, Laura, 
I don't know about that, mate. But she turns around and she says, what are you? And then before she knows it, he's grabbed her by the throat and is slamming her into the mirror. Uh, psycho. So he steps closer and his body's pressed against hers. And then he delicately trails his thumb along her lips. Oh, he's so sweet and delicate. Ah, yeah, he just slammed you into the mirror. Slammed you. And then he tells her that she looks pretty, but she can't wear these, not yet, referring to the lingerie. And so she takes that with like reverse psychology. She says, I felt like doing the exact opposite of what he was saying. So now she wants to wear lingerie in front of him. So she pushes herself away from the mirror And takes a step. And so then he mirrors her and takes a step backwards as well. But with his hand still on her neck. And then when she's sure that she's sufficiently far from the mirror. And that he could see her entirely through the mirror. She lifts her eyes and looks into his eyes. And she says, as I suspected, his stare was fixed on my reflection. I mean, he's an arm's length away from me. He could have just stared at her. Not not a reflection, but maybe he's a butt man. So he must be looking at her butt in the mirror. I guess that's what's happening. And then she says, I could see his pants becoming too tight for him. And no, I don't think you can because you just told me you were looking in his eyes. I was looking at his eyes. I could see his pants becoming too tight for him. No, you can't. And she whispers, Massimo. And then he tears his eyes away from her ass and looks her in the eyes. Okay. So she was, okay. So he was looking at her butt in the mirror and that was her plan. She was trying to be provocative. Although he just yelled at her on the beach for stretching and letting her dress slide up a bit over her body while she was stretching from her little cat nap. And she said, I'll never do it again because it's my responsibility as a woman not to turn you on because, you know, this is a fucked up book. But now she's in the change room, she's doing it. And how big is this change room, by the way? Every change room I've ever been into, you couldn't swing a cat. But she's in there and he's in there and they're all arm's length apart. <sighs> And I assume the curtain's still open, that pink curtain. I don't think he would have shut it. But then she says, leave or I guarantee this will be the last time you see me like this. And his hand is still on her neck, by the way, and his hand tightens on her neck and his eyes flare with fury and lust. And then he's pushing her back against the mirror again. And he says, I picked everything for you. I will decide when I want you to wear this. And then he turns away and leaves without another word. Again, unsure if he shut the curtain or not, but she says she stood there for a while longer, furious, but somehow satisfied at the same time because she was beginning to learn the rules of our little game. Our little game, it's not a game. You're a victim of a violent crime. So she gets changed. She snatches the heap of lingerie from the drawer. Okay, so there's a drawer in the dressing room. This is the nicest dressing room I've ever heard. And she storms out of the change room. And when she does, the shop assistant sprang to her feet. And I'm thinking, hey, shop assistant, why are you sitting down all the time? Every time we hear about the shop assistant, she's springing to her feet. She's just the laziest little worker, always having a sit down. And she goes up to Massimo and she says, you picked that, then here you go, it's all yours. And she throws all the lingerie at him and she runs out of the boutique. And she walks past his little two security guards but they don't even move a muscle. They just look back at Massimo and are like, huh? And she, she's running. She's running down the streets. And I'm thinking, okay, good, good. She's made a run for it. Great. So she takes a turn. She runs up this street. She sees a flight of stairs. So she goes up them. Then she sees another flight of stairs and she goes up them. 
And she tells us she's two blocks away from where she ran away from. And then she's, she's tired. So she has a little rest and she leans against a wall and she says, my shoes might've been works of art, but they definitely hadn't been made for running. And I feel like she made a joke like that back in chapter one. And this is chapter four. So like, it's too soon to be recycling your little jokes about how impractical shoes can be. And then she looks up and she can see a castle. Okay, so she looks up, she sees a castle in between buildings or some other bullshit. And then she hears someone say, it used to be a fortress. And she turns around and, oh, it's Massimo. What do you mean she hears someone say? Just say, I heard Massimo say, because yet Massimo caught up with her because she only ran two blocks. She only ran two blocks for her big escape, but okay. And of course she then refers to him as the man in black again. (sighs) And he says, we need to go back now. If you want to work out, there's a gym and a pool back home. And she says, I knew I had no choice. I had to go back with him. But at least for a moment, I had felt my fate was in my own hands. And okay, I appreciate the escape attempt. But it was two blocks. You couldn't have run past a police station. Like you just did a shopping tour of this town. You went to nine different boutiques. You're telling me on the way in between all of those stores, you weren't scoping out thinking, where can I go? You weren't looking for a little neighborhood watch sign or something in the window. Like surely, surely you were scoping the joint, but no, she wasn't. She was just running, running up a couple of stairs. So they go back into the SUV and I guess they drive home. Uh, and she says he sat next to her in the car, but he was on his phone talking. And she said, I had no idea what he was saying. I still understood very little Italian. I still understood very little Italian. So yeah, I wasn't expecting you to learn Italian in six days, five of which you were asleep for. Like no one, no one's really putting that pressure on you to learn Italian in a day. Just, just from osmosis, just from being around Italian, you're going to learn Italian. Download Duolingo and maybe make a concerted effort to learn Italian. Then I, then I'll appreciate your effort, but I'm going to cut you some slack because you've been passed out in a fucking villa for five days. Yeah. You don't speak Italian. I'm, I'm on board with that. But then she says she couldn't read his body language either. And okay. Well, body language is the same in Italian as it is in, you know. Poland. Although I suppose in Italy, they speak more with their hands. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So they get to the mansion. Well, she tells us, we stopped at the mansion, as in the car stopped at the mansion. And like, yeah, no fucking da. You stopped at your destination. What a shock. And she goes to open the car door, but it's locked. And he says, dinner will be served in an hour. Domenico will come for you. And then the door opens and she sees the young Italian with his hand outstretched to help her out. So she's always got to call Domenico the young Italian. Like that's just her nickname for him, which isn't catchy. So she gets out and then she has to run to the front door because she doesn't want to glimpse the spot (laughs) where she saw Massimo execute that guy. So just that little patch of driveway. She can't look at it or she'll faint. Just that specific patch. She's happy to sit in a car with the murderer, with the guy who, who killed that person, but she does want to have to look at the spot where he did it. That's just all too much. So then she gets to a bedroom and the young Italian stopped in the doorway. This fucking young Italian. And he pretty much says, do you want anything? And she says, yes, I could use a drink before dinner. Remember, she loves champagne. If we know anything about this girl, it's that she's got tattooed makeup and she loves champagne. And she hates Italians. So she goes to have a shower and she washes her hair, which I feel like she just did the other day. She's stripping all the natural oils, but she's washing her hair again. And then she's sitting down on the floor. She's having a really long shower. There's no water restrictions in whatever fucking Italian town they're in. And she's thinking about how Massimo's a complicated man, totally unpredictable. And she thinks that if she didn't accept her newfound circumstances, then she'd die of exhaustion. Okay. And then she goes, that's when it struck me. There was nothing to fight, nothing to run away from. There was nothing for me back in Warsaw. I wasn't losing anything because everything I had was now gone. (laughs) All she lost was a boyfriend that she didn't like. All she lost was Martin. She still got all her family and her friends and maybe maybe a career. I know she talked about how she was in the hotel business and she needed a break from the hotel business, but hey, you, you can still pick up in a different business. Like you can get another job if you're not that into hotels anymore. Like you don't have to be a live-in hostage for a year. But she says, no, everything that she had was now gone. I disagree, but let's press on. And she says, the only thing I could do was let this adventure unfold. Okay, why are you calling it an adventure? You're a victim of a crime. 
and she thinks, it's time to accept your situation, Laura. What? Why? Why? And this is only six days in. Six days in and she's like, well, I better accept it. Like, squeeze? Then she gets out of the shower. She puts on a bathrobe, which is practically her costume at this point. And she notices in her bedroom that it's been filled with dozens of boxes from all the shopping. And she says, I couldn't help feeling elated at the sight. So yeah, he won her over with consumerism. And so then she finds the red lace lingerie from Victoria's Secret. And then she gets a black see-through dress and a matching pair of Louboutin high heels. And she puts that on and she thinks, Massimo would have a heart attack, exclamation mark. And then she has a glass of champagne and then she downs it and pours herself a second glass. And then she sits down by the mirror and took out the makeup set. And so I guess she's, putting on makeup, even though it's tattooed onto her skin already. So she's really dolling herself up for dinner. Uh, I don't know what a plan is, but she's telling us that she has a plan. She sprinkles herself with a generous dose of her favorite perfume. (laughs) And then she stops in front of the mirror and then nods with approval at how she looks. She goes, I looked gorgeous. (sighs) She says the dress fit perfectly and the red lace visible beneath it matched the red soles of the stilettos. It was provocative, but also elegant. Elegant. That's, that's an interesting way to describe a see-through dress and stilettos that match your underwear. Uh, yeah, 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 elegant, elegant, totally elegant. So then she has a third glass of champagne and she presents herself to Domenico. Weird that she's saying presented myself, like that's a weird choice of words and his eyes widen and he says you look and she goes yes I know thank you and then he says those high heels are incredible (laughs) so I really do think Domenico's gay because a gay man would of course compliment the high heels before he compliments the the lingerie or the body or the body in the dress so yeah he's he's a fag so they go out onto the terrace where she had breakfast and they're in the gazebo and it's illuminated by hundreds of candles. So it's just the set from The Bachelor. And she heads towards the man in black who mustn't be facing her because he hears the click click of her heels on the stone floor and then he turns around. And guys, get this. He's wearing gray linen pants and a light gray sweater. She's just said, I headed towards the man in black who's wearing gray linen pants and a light gray sweater, then stop calling him the man in black. And he's obviously turned on. So then she does the Anastasia Steele trick and she says, will you pour me a glass and bites her lower lip? So this is going to be her fourth glass of alcohol. And he says, are you aware that if you keep provoking me, I might not be able to control myself? And oh God, <sighs> I mean, that's just another line out of the abuser playbook, isn't it? So then she like puts her hand on his chest and sort of like pushes him into the chair. And then she's like running her fingers through his hair and just like making sure that he can smell her perfume and like get a good look at the lingerie or whatever. And then she says, will you pour me a glass or should I help myself? (laughs) He must have ignored her first request for a drink. And now he's ignoring her second request for a drink. So she lets go of his hair and walks over to the cooler and fills her own glass. So Massimo, you're trying to win over this girl. You said I've got 360-ish days to win your affection. So you want to be with me and you want to stay with me and give me your hashtag consent. And yet 
you're not pouring her a drink. Like, that's not very chivalrous, is it? Then he's leaning over to her and he says, you look gorgeous, and his tongue delicately skimmed over her ear. Yuck. And he says, I can't remember any woman having such an effect on me, and then his teeth trailed along the skin on her neck. Um, inappropriate. And then he says, I want to lay you on your belly right on the table, pull up that short dress of yours, and fuck you hard without taking that thong off. Ugh. Like, that just went from zero to... A hundred, didn't it? And also, lay you on your belly. Like, don't say belly. She's an adult woman. You don't say belly. Say stomach. Say abdomen. Don't don't be saying she's got a belly. But she gasps and she's aroused. And he says, your smell. I felt it as soon as you stopped in the doorway. I'd like to lick it off you. So he felt her smell. I think he means he smelt it, but he says he felt it. And then he says, there is one spot on your body that scent is absent. And it's the same place I'd like to explore the most. So I think he's, I think he's implying that she's not got perfume on her vagina. And so he wants to explore that area. But I know for a fact, she doesn't have perfume in a lot of other places. I mean, she, she did sprinkle it on herself. She did say that, but I mean, she didn't swim in the motherfucker. She just, she just sprayed it a little bit. It's, it's not just not on her vagina, if that makes sense. And then his hand slowly slid down her cleavage and closed on her breasts. And she didn't mention that she's got small tits. So that's a step up for her own self-confidence. And he must've turned her on too much because then he says, remember, it's my game. I make up the rules. And then he sits down and he's all triumphant. And she's like, hmm, I do see a bulge in your pants though. So it's, it's not too one-sided. And then a couple of waiters come and serve them octopus carpaccio and they're eating in silence. And then, and then after dessert, she, oh, she's drinking rosé now, by the way. Uh, So mixing her drinks. It's not like she's had a a bad incident with any drink spikings or anything lately, but no, she's, she's mixing her drinks. And after dessert, she says the Cosa Nostra. And I think that's a reference to the Godfather. So she's just trying to bring up the fact that he's a Don. And she says, Well, I've seen The Godfather, but who hasn't? I'm wondering how much truth there is to it. And I've not actually seen The Godfather. Have you guys seen The Godfather? So then she says, what do you do? And he says, business. And she's like, oh, I'm asking for real. You want a year of my life and my unwavering obedience. Don't you think I should know what I'm getting into? And like, what difference will it make? Like, surely she knows that some sort of mafia type thing because, hey, you saw him kill someone last night. But no, it's going to matter what he says. So if he says making prosthetic legs for refugee amputees, she'd be all for it. But he says, okay, I'll tell you. After my parents died, I was chosen as the next head of the family. That's why people call me Don. I own several companies, clubs, restaurants, and hotels. We're just like a regular corporation. Like, yet you killed someone last night, buddy. Regular corporations don't do that as far as I know. And he's like, well, what do you actually really need to know? You already found out if I have a gun and if I'm dangerous, whether I tackle my own problems head on. What else? Ask away. She says, there were a million thoughts whirling around my head, but I didn't really need to know anything else. (laughs) She goes, to be honest, since last night, I knew everything I wanted to know. Uh, uh, So she's just got no questions. She says, oh, okay, fair enough. You do business. I understand. And then she says, will you give me my phone and my laptop? And then 
The man in black calmly turned in his chair and crossed his legs. And no, he's wearing gray. He's wearing a gray combo of clothing. You've told me that. Don't refer to him as the man in black. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you your phone and computer back, but we have to agree on what you're going to say to people you want to talk to. And he says, yeah, you can call your parents and return to Poland for a visit, but you have to tell them that you've got a a work proposition in one of the hotels in Sicily and you're going to be here on a one-year probation. And then he says, we've taken all your things from Martin's apartment. I consider the subject of that man closed. I don't want you to see him anymore. (laughs) It's like, oh, oh, you don't want her to see her ex-boyfriend. Okay, like she had any control over whether she could do that in the first place because you've stolen her free will, but okay, yep. And then he says, let me elaborate. I forbid you to contact that man. And she narrates, he had thought this thing out pretty solidly. It was all planned and logical. (laughs) No, it's not. Nothing about this is logical. And she says, okay, well, what if I wanted to see my family? What then? And he says, well, in that case, I'll be happy to see your beautiful country with you. And she laughs and she says, can I disagree with you? And he's like, uh, no. (laughs) And he's like, I always get what I want. And then she looks down at her lace underwear and she's like, "Mm, not always. So then she gets up and the man in black watches her every movement. He's in gray. The man in gray watches her every movement. She kicks off her fucking stilettos and she walks through the grass towards the beach sofa. Okay. And he's like, you feel right at home, don't you? And she says, he was right. I didn't feel like an outsider here. I felt like I've been living here all my life. What the fuck? And she says, besides, show me a girl who wouldn't want to live in a beautiful mansion surrounded by servants and all kinds of luxuries. Yeah, I'll show you plenty of people who don't want this scenario. I'll show you plenty of people. Like, Is it normal for Stockholm Syndrome to kick in after like a day? Is it normal? Or is it just because he bought her pretty things and she's that vapid, she's on board with it? But no, oh, all these luxuries, she's on board. I hate her. Then he's laying her down on the beach sofa and she's saying it's different this time than in the dressing room because she's not scared, she's just aroused. I mean, yeah, his hand's not on your neck and pushing you against a mirror. That that might be part of it. And then Massimo puts her head in his hands and he says, I'd like you to teach me how to be gentle with you. And then she pulls him close and they kiss. And she starts describing it really beautifully. She says, our tongues dance to the same rhythm. And I'm thinking, oh, that's gorgeous. And then it says, our tongues and lips fucked hard and full of passion. (laughs) Their tongues fucked. Their tongues fucked. Now, I'm pretty sure that's just called kissing. Where I'm from, that's kissing. In France, it's called French kissing. But in Italy, it's called tongue fucking. Huh. But then she says a moment later, she realizes what she's doing. And she goes, wait, stop. And she pushes him away. And then the man in gray did no such thing. And he grabs her by the wrists and pins them to the sofa. And then he's grabbing her lace thong. Huh. And she's terrified and... She lays there motionless with tears streaking down her cheeks. And then he notices the tears. He notices the wetness and he's like, hey, what? What's wrong with you? Kind of a thing. And it's like, ah, this is fucked up. But I guess he tries to justify why he's so rough. He says, when you've been using nothing but violence your whole life and you've had to fight tooth and nail for everything you have, 
It's difficult to react in any other way when someone takes away what you desire. And all I've got to say is Massimo, grow the fuck up. And she says she's livid, but at the same time, felt bad for him. (laughs) She's like, he's probably never cared for anyone before. (sighs) And now he's trying to make me reciprocate his feelings. And the only way he knew how to do it was by force. And so she's, she's sympathizing with the devil. But then his phone rings and he answers it. So I guess conversation over. And she gets up and she walks back towards the villa. And she says, I was tired, a bit drunk and utterly disoriented. And then she gets to her room, she collapses on the bed and then she immediately falls asleep. And that's the end of the chapter. Because I feel like every chapter has to end with her falling asleep. Like the end of every chapter, she's blacking out. But okay. So this chapter, she's just resigned herself to her fate that she's being a fucking hostage for 360-ish days. Like, no, maybe give it another go. She had one escape attempt. One. You know there's a boat at the dock with the keys sitting right there. Maybe try that. Have a plan B. Maybe just running out of Victoria's Secret and going up a couple of flights of stairs doesn't cut it. I honestly don't care what happens next. I just want her to at least think about escaping one more time. But she's too aroused by the man in grey, so we'll have to see. Oh boy. I'll see you next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.